Section 72 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha von Sutna. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 17, Part 3. The period of proclamations and general orders was now come the old humdrum tune again always and always again the public carried away to give it support and enthusiasm there was joy over the victories guaranteed in the manifestos just as if they had been gained already on july twenty eighth napoleon the third issued the following document from his headquarters at metz this also i entered into my book not indeed because i shared in the admiration but from contempt for the everlasting sameness and hollowness of its phrase-mongering we are defending the honor and the soil of our country we shall conquer nothing is too much for the persevering exertions of the soldiers of africa the crimea china italy and mexico once more you will show what a french army can do which is on fire with the love of country whatever way we take out of our boundaries we find there the glorious footsteps of our forefathers we will show ourselves worthy of them on our success depends the fate of freedom and civilizations soldiers let everyone do his duty and the god of battles will be with us of course les deux des armes could not be left out that the leaders of defeated armies have said the same thing a hundred times over does not prevent the others from saying the same words at the beginning of every new campaign and awakening the same confidence by doing so is there anything more short and more weak than the memory of the people on july thirty first king william quitted berlin and left the following writing in going today to the army to fight along with it for honor and for the preservation of our noblest possessions i leave an amnesty for all political offenders my people know as well as i that the breach of treaty and hostile proceedings are not on our side but as we have been provoked we are determined like our fathers and in firm reliance on god to brave the battle for the deliverance of our fatherland necessity of defence necessity of defence that is the only recognised way of killing and so both parties cry out i am defending myself is not that a contradiction not altogether for over both there presides a third power the power of the conquering ancient war spirit it is only against him that all should join in a defensive league along with the above manifestos i find in my red volumes an entry with the singular title written over it if oliver had married Meyerbeer's daughter would the war have broken out this is how the matter stood amongst our parisian acquaintance there was a literary man named alexander Weil, and it was he who threw out the above question while he told us the following story meyerbeer was looking out for a man of talent for his second daughter and his choice fell on my friend emile oliver oliver was a widower he had married for his first wife the daughter of liszt whom the renowned pianist had by the countess de Gault daniel stern with whom he long lived as his wife the marriage was very happy and oliver had the reputation of a virtuous husband 
he possessed no fortune but as a speaker and statesman he was already famous meyerbeer wanted to make his personal acquaintance and to this end i gave in april eighteen sixty four a great ball which was attended by most of the celebrities of art and science and where of course oliver who had been informed by me of meyerbeer's purpose played the first part he pleased meyerbeer the matter was not easy to bring to a head meyerbeer knew the independent originality of his second daughter who would never marry any other husband than one of her own choice meyerbeer arranged that oliver should pay a visit to baden and there be introduced as if by chance to the young lady when meyerbeer died suddenly a fortnight after this ball it was oliver if you recollect who pronounced his elogie and funeral oration at the northern railway station now i affirm nay i am certain of it that if oliver had married meyerbeer's daughter the war between france and germany would not have broken out look how plausible my proofs are in the first place meyerbeer who hated the empire to the point of contempt would never have permitted his daughter's husband to become a minister of the emperor it is well known that if oliver had threatened the chamber to give in his resignation sooner than declare war the chamber would never have declared war the present war is the work of three backstairs confidants and secret ministers of the empress named jerome david paul de cassagnac and the duc de gramont the empress excited by the pope whose religious puppet she is would have this war as to the success of which she never doubted in order to ensure her son's secession she said c'est ma guerre amont et amonsville and the three above papal anabaptists were her secret tools to force the emperor who did not want any war and the chamber into war by false and secret dispatches from germany and this is what is called diplomacy i interrupted with a shudder listen further pursued alexandra wheel oliver said to me on july fifteenth when i met him on the place de la concorde peace is assured or i resign whence came it then that the same man a few days later instead of resigning declared war himself de encore leger as he said in the chamber with a light heart i cried shuddering again there is a secret in this that i can throw light upon the emperor for whom money had never any other value than to purchase love or friendship with it he believes like jugurtha in rome that all in france men and women have their price as the custom when he takes a minister who is not rich of binding him more closely to himself by a present of a million francs daru alone who told me the secret declined this present Timeo Danejos et dona ferentes and he alone being unfettered sent in his resignation as long as the emperor hesitated oliver being bound to his master by this chain of gold declared himself neutral rather inclined to peace but as soon as the emperor had been overborne by his wife and her three ultramontane anabaptists oliver declared for war and gave it lively utterance with light heart and with full pockets end of section 72